Our scripture reading for this morning, we're continuing to read in First and Second Peter, as Pastor Johnny and now with Sean this morning leads us into another um, section of those letters, uh, which bring us to the place of realizing we need to build on the rock, the rock of Jesus and what he has said to us. And uh, we're reading now from Second Peter, uh, the first chapter, uh, beginning at verse 12. Peter writes, So I will always remind you of these things, even though you know them and are firmly established in the truth you now have. I think it is right to refresh your memory as long as I live in the tent of this body, because I know that I will soon put it aside, as our Lord Jesus Christ has made clear to me. And I will make every effort to see that after my departure, you will be always be able to remember these things. For we did not follow cleverly devised stories when we told you about the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ in power, but we were eyewitnesses of glory from God the Father when the voice came to him from the majestic glory, saying, This is my Son, whom I love. With him I am well pleased. We ourselves heard this voice that came from heaven when we were with him on the sacred mountain. We have also, we also have the prophetic message as something coming completely reliable, and you will do well to pay attention to it as a light to a light shining in the dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts. Above all, you must understand that no prophecy of Scripture came about by the prophet's own interpretation of things. For prophecy never had its origin in the human will, but prophets, though human, spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. Amen. The reading of his word. Welcome to Hope Anchors. I'm Sean. And I'm Johnny. And together we want to share the hope that anchors the very core of who you are to all that Jesus is. In Hebrews 6.19 it reads that we have this hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. Amen. Those of you who will be uh, listening to this podcast, including my mom up in the Detroit area, um, that we're coming to you from Indianapolis, Indiana, Hope Church, and you can find us at Hope Cove, that's Hope Covenant, hopecove.org, uh, also on Facebook and Instagram, at Hope Church Indy. You can search us there as well. Um, but uh, we have been going through uh, Peter's letters and calling this On This Rock. And we're learning what it means to build our lives on the life and teachings of Jesus Christ. And it's coming to you um, as a result of Peter. He is, you know, was one of Jesus' closest followers. He is writing to people who have been scattered throughout the known world because of persecution, first beginning with uh, the persecution of their own people, and then also leading uh, into the persecution that would be, become widespread throughout the Roman Empire and a kind of persecution that at one point would then take Peter's life as well. And just to kind of remind everybody, the reason why First Peter was written was to warn everybody about the suffering that was getting ready to happen to them. Uh, not just what was going through their life at the time, but the sufferings that Nero was going to bring to them. And then Second Peter was written approximately seven to eight years later, after the persecution had already began, and they were going through this. And so Peter's writing this letter to just remind people uh, of, of the scriptures and everything else, and to give them uh, more of a warning of the false teachings 
that were going to be happening during this time. So just kind of put that in mind, and not that we have any false teachings today. You know, but this is the things that, you know, how this Bible is written and what Peter is saying then is what he's saying to us today. So that's why this, this information and how we build this, our foundation on this rock is so important. And that's why we go through this. Yeah. And um, so, Sean, I know this might surprise you, but this is one of my favorite uh, uh, scriptures. Um, he says that anytime we read scripture between Genesis <laughs> and Revelations, if you haven't picked that up yet. Um, but uh, this is one that really had made an impact on me. I can't believe this. It was four Christmases ago. Uh, we were celebrating what would end up being our last Christmas with Michelle's brother, Rex. Uh, he had a, a brain tumor. Uh, he, in fact, had his first one at 20, 29 years old, uh, but then would um, uh, live to be 50, correct? Um, and so that Christmas, we had everybody at our house in uh, Dearborn, Michigan. And it, it was really uh, an amazing and a, a meaningful time. But I just, I remember being in this scripture where Peter is talking to them in very, in a very interesting way and talking about his own death and that he knew that his death was uh, coming up. And he said that, you know, I, I think it's right to refresh your memory as long as I live in the tent of this body. Kind of an interesting picture of what he believes the body is, right? It, uh, a tent is, it's not a permanent structure. In fact, we found that out uh, this past summer that tents are not permanent structures. Uh, we were up in the upper peninsula of Michigan camping and we had, we had a fantastic tent. I think this tent lasted us 15 years. And we had just come back from, we were, uh, we had been on a hike. It had downpoured on our way home from that hike. And we decided that before we even headed to the campsite, we would grab a burger uh, there in, uh, in the little town that we were in. And then we would make our way there once the rains had stopped. Well, once we got there, we found that our tent had flooded. And there was no laundromat to speak of in that little village. So we ended up uh, driving about 45 minutes away. And at that point, I knew that that tent was going to have to be pitched. We were going to have to get a brand new tent. Well, after we got the brand new tent and it was not anywhere near the quality of even the one that we had just had, I vowed that we would be sticking with Airbnbs. Uh, tent camping was probably not going to be in our future, but the, the fact is, is that here Peter sees his body as a tent that he was going to pitch someday. Not pitch, put it up, but pitch, get rid of it as we did with ours. So I literally put it in the dumpster there at uh, the campground and we did not leave uh, for Indiana with it. It was, it, we left it there in the trash. And that's how Peter feels about his body, that he was going to be leaving that body. And it's interesting because he said that he was going to be putting it aside as Jesus had made clear to him. Now, whether that is in relation to the fact that maybe he knew that his time was coming, maybe the Holy Spirit had told him that uh, his time was near, maybe he's just simply going back to where um, Jesus, in talking with John, at the end of John's gospel, and, and as they're talking about the way in which they were going to die, mm -hmm. uh, maybe Peter is just, in fact, recalling that. But if you remember, most of the disciples ended up living with the idea that the end was near. 
that Jesus would return, or maybe that they just simply knew that their time was short. And so uh, one of the things that I did that Christmas was I, I gave the girls three Bibles. And these were three Bibles that I had from the time that I came to faith in Christ as a teenager on. And so the, the one that I gave Becca was one that my mom had actually bought me while I was at Taylor University. And I said, um, I'm, and I gave this to her on Christmas 2017. I wanted to give you girls my three main Bibles for some time, but I recently read a scripture that gave me a new reason. Read Second Peter 1, 12 through 15. That's what we're in right now. So go ahead, I'll wait. Uh, Peter said he would soon pass from this life as the Lord had told him. And I said, sweetheart, giving you this Bible is my way of fulfilling verse 15. Peter was diligent. He made every effort to make sure people would remember his testimony about Jesus. I want this to be a way for you to remember the direction of my life. We all fall, but we all get up. We all sin, but we confess. We all walk off the path, but we get right back on it, and we walk in the direction of Jesus. With this gift, I'm I'm making every effort to see that after I go home to be with Jesus, you will always remember these things. Hon, along those lines, be thankful to God for the quality of your days, not just the number of them. Focus not on how life ends in death, but how death leads to life. John 3.16, John 10.10. My hope is to live as well and as long as my grandpa read, my, my mom's dad. He was 87, but we have no guarantees. My dad was 55. My grandpa Milt was 75. I've outlived my great grandpa John who died of pneumonia in his 40s. And no matter how many days I've been given, my prayer is that you may be able to call these things to mind. How I gave my life to Jesus and wanted to follow him. How I found your mom, my best friend and bride at Taylor University. How I aimed to care for her and love her because I knew that would be a gift to you, Christy and Sierra. And how much I love you and your sisters. And I just love Peter's language in this, that I am going to make every effort. I'm going to do everything that I can to make sure that after my departure, I mean, when we think, when you think of a departure, right, you're thinking, I'm driving somebody to the airport. They're going to take off in an airplane. They're going to come back on that airplane. I'm going to go pick them up, right? But Peter sees death in that way as well. This is just a departure. And so my, our encouragement to you is that while you are now living, that you do something to make sure that those who are coming after you would know what you stand for. Uh, Stephen Covey in his book, Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, had uh, this to say. He had a little, um, a little illustration for this. He said, just imagine yourself at your own funeral. You know, it doesn't have to be morbid. Um, but imagine not... Not what people say about your accomplishments, but what people say you valued. What's at the very core of your life? What's at the very center of who you are? What are people going to remember you for? And then live into that. Covey is talking in in that book about beginning with the end in mind. So you start with your own personal values and you're thinking about what people are saying to you at the very end of your life, but you're living into those values in the here and now. For Peter, he said, I'm going to make every effort. I'm going to do everything I can right now so that you would be reminded 
of the things that I've been teaching. You have a fun way of talking about a funeral. <laughs> yeah, to me, when it comes time for, for my, uh, my time, I don't want to have a funeral. I want to have a funeral. <laughs> I want it to be fun. So I want to really express that it needs to be fun. And the way you do this is you make sure that your family understands and your friends and your loved ones and everybody else understands truly who you are and what your faith is based on. Because it's not the end. Mm. We talk about a departure. Well, it's a departure, but it's towards a new destination. It's, it's towards God's kingdom. And that should be a joyous thing, not a sorrow thing. I mean, I hope that you know, there will be people that will miss me. That'd be wonderful, you know. But when I hear, I want them to be able to tell stories to, to strangers. And it would be really neat if they go, man, that person was really filled with the Spirit. Hmm. That was a follower of God. I'm so, because I've been to funerals where it was very sad. A lot of non-faith people there. And they thought that was the end. And I've been to funerals where they knew where that person was going. And it was one of the most joyous times. And it was like, man, that's what I want. I want a funeral. I want it to be fun. I want people to come and just have a great time. I was kidding with Johnny, you know, let a keg be sitting back in the back and everybody just have fun at my funeral. I mean, it's, it should be a joyous occasion, but you have to let people know mm. where your faith is and what it's based on and why you believe in what you believe in. Um, because that's the only way people can move forward. And, and it's hard. I mean, and here Peter is. I mean, Peter's getting up there in his age, and he knows what's coming up. He knows it's time. And he wants to make sure that people understood where he's coming from and what he truly believes in. And he wants to continue to make sure that you understand the exact same thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, have a funeral. Don't have a funeral. <laughs> And so, really, our question along these, these lines is, what do you stand for? Do you know what you stand for? Uh, have you written it down? Have you thought about it? And do other people know what you stand for? Another question to ask when it comes to this text is, what have you eyewitnessed? And you might be thinking, I don't know if that's a word, Johnny. Um, it's a, uh, to be an eyewitness is, I don't know, if, uh, verbiage-wise, I, uh, what have you witnessed? Are you an eyewitness to something? Peter was saying this. He says, for we didn't follow cleverly devised stories when we told you about the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ in power. But we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. I mean, we ourselves heard his voice that came from heaven when we were with him on the sacred mountain. What Peter is doing is he's recalling the time when, when the, it's the transfiguration of Jesus. Uh, when, when Jesus form changed, I mean, he was glowing and Peter, James and John were with him up there. And then Moses and Elijah show up and, and they're speaking with Jesus. And, you know, this is again where Peter brings up a tent. He bring, he brought up a tent earlier in this text, but he was like, Hey, we've got these three tents. Why don't you hang out with us? You know, let's have a camp. You know, we're going to have a camping trip. Elijah and uh, Moses are here. This is awesome. Let's, let's put a fire out. Let's sing kumbaya, you know. Um, but he's, he's recalling what happened on the mountain. And he's saying it in in terms of he didn't hear about these things. He saw them. He heard them with his own ears. It's the same language that the Apostle John would use in in, uh, 1 John. In this coming year, we're going to do a series possibly called The Disciple Jesus Loves. All of us are disciples Jesus loves, but John himself in his gospel calls himself the, the disciple whom Jesus loves. 
But it's in John's little letter that he says, we saw this with our own eyes. We touched him with our own hands. We heard him with our own ears. And so John is talking about, about the fact that he is an eyewitness of these things. Now, we have heard in history about people who would uh, die for their faith, die for their beliefs, die for people. But hardly ever do we hear of people dying for what they said they saw. There have been people uh, down through the ages who have died for their faith. They've, they've become martyrs of their, uh, of their faith. They said, this is what I believe and, and I'm going to my grave for it. But here you have these people who are eyewitnesses of Jesus. Peter himself, because he did not think he was worthy enough to be crucified like his Lord, was crucified upside down. If you read um, some of church history about what the Apostle John went through, what the other disciples went through in terms of um, how they were tortured, how they were treated, following Jesus was not an easy task, and it did not make their lives better. At any point, they could have disowned it and said, nope, nope, this is a lie, I'm sorry, it, uh, here, I'm going to tell you the truth. I, I just heard these things, and I'm just passing them on to you. But these men went, men and women went to their deaths saying what they saw, that they were eyewitnesses. And I, I heard it, uh, heard somebody talk about what testimony is received in a court of law. Hearsay is thrown out. Somebody can't come up and say, well, I heard that this was done or I heard someone say this. The judge is only going to admit into evidence eyewitness testimony. I saw them do this. I saw this accident with my very own eyes. And my question to you is, what are you seeing? Are you keeping your eyes, your ears, your heart open to what God is doing among you? Because us sharing a testimony, it could be the testimony of how you came to faith in Jesus, or it could be what Jesus did in this past week. And, and you know, that's, that's so important because we tend to, once we, once we come to Jesus and it's about us, it's about us, it's about us. But I love the way Peter and John and, and, and they were all excited for what they saw. They were excited. Are you excited for what you see in that's happening yesterday? Does something happen? It doesn't have to be some miracle. It could be just as simple as, you know what, and Julie gets on me for this quite a bit. We get a front row parking spot. And it's like God knew we were coming. And I get to park right up here in front. But it's just the little things when you see somebody open up a door for somebody. What are you, I, what are you seeing? Do you see God? Are you looking for God in the little things? Because that's the most impactful things. If you're waiting for some big moment to say, well, I saw this. You may be missing out on the thousand other things that God is doing in your life and in those around you. So you have to always keep your eyes open. You always have to keep your heart open to really think about and see where God is. I mean, that's really, truly an eyewitness account that you can share with others. And that's what, that's what Peter's trying to say. And that's, I believe that's even, he's talking to us today to say the same exact thing. Be excited for what you see. And give that eyewitness account to others. Because that's the only way that they will start to see the beautiful things that God is doing. Mm -hmm. And, you know, for you to say something 
in terms of what God is doing or, you know, maybe sharing uh, what God is doing in your life, you have to see something. To say something, you need to see something. And for us to see something, we've got to keep our eyes, our hearts, our spirits open to that, which is why I always encourage you to, you know, as you're getting your faces ready in the morning, get your hearts ready as well. Uh, make sure you're spending just as much time on your interior life as you are on the exterior. So that when you go out, go throughout your day, you're, you know, and, and God shows up. I've heard people talk about God sightings. You know, where did God show up in your life that day? But when God shows up in, in some little or maybe even some big way that you recognize that it is God and then maybe you're able to share something with someone that day or maybe the next day or the next week. But us sharing our testimony isn't just about what God did for us 20 years ago. It can be what he said two hours ago, two minutes ago, what he did in our lives that day. So in order to say something, we need to see something. So question, what have you eyewitnessed? What are you eyewitnessing? What are you witnessing? And then um, thirdly, whose words are you following? Uh, you know, Peter has been taking us in this section. You know, he's, he's saying that I'm going to do everything I can to make sure that after I have departed, you will be able to remember these things. So he's, he's kind of building an argument that, that what I have stood for and what I have taught, I want to make sure that I've written down. And some people really believe that what, what Mark, you know, we've got the, the four life stories of Jesus, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, that what Mark wrote is Peter's eyewitness testimony. And so, um, you know, you've got that. You have Peter's couple letters here. He's doing everything he can to make sure that people would remember what God was doing and who Jesus is. But then he's also going to take them back to, to not only, hey, you, you can trust our eyewitness testimony. A little bit later in this letter, he's going to talk about the Apostle Paul's writings. And it's funny, if you have ever had trouble with reading Paul and understanding what he had to say... That's okay. Peter did as well. He admits that in his own letter. He's like, you know, some people, they have a hard time uh, understanding what P Paul had to say. But, um, so, but, but Peter talks about Paul's writings as being a part of those scriptures. And so he, what he is saying here then, he says, listen, you not only have our eyewitness testimony about Jesus. And so what we have written is post-Jesus, post his life, post his death, post his resurrection, it points us back to what Jesus did. We have this wealth of information pre-Jesus that actually talks about Jesus. He says, we also have the prophetic message as something completely reliable, and you will do well to pay attention to it. I find too many of us uh, we were even talking about this in our small group on Thursday. We're, uh, we're, we're going through this uh, uh, series. It, it's kind of a, like a TV series, but it's also a, uh, a devotional series called The Chosen. And we talked about those books of the Bible that uh, maybe we don't read as much. Maybe we kind of stay away from those. And maybe we haven't read them at all. But then we've got our favorites, right? You know, I personally do. I, I, I love the letters. Uh, one of my friends said that, you know, she loves reading Paul's letters because they're short. Her attention span is short. So, and I've even, and this was great counsel for me when I was a young follower of Jesus. One of my, uh, youth pastors said, just read one of Paul's letters or read James. It's four or five chapters long. You know, you can feel like you got through a book of the Bible. How about just Jude? Jude. That, yeah, that's one chapter. Yeah, that works. 
And so whose words are you, are you following? Peter says, listen, we have the prophetic message. We have the prophets. And you would do well to pay attention to what the prophets also said about Jesus. Make sure you're paying attention to what the prophets say. Make sure you're paying attention to what the Old Testament says. And he says, above all, you must understand that no prophecy of Scripture came about by the prophet's own interpretation of things, for prophecy never had its origin in human will. This wasn't like some people saying, oh, this is what I think about God, and so I'm going to have some writings, and maybe you can follow them. This is God-inspiring, God-breathed text. And so he says, um, for prophecy never had its origin in the human will, but prophets, though human, spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. This really speaks about the whole idea of Scripture being inspired by God. Uh, one of my favorite online tools is gotquestions.org. Got, G-O-T, gotquestions.org. And you can, you know, you can put in there any kind of like biblical question and it'll uh, give you some answers, that kind of thing. But I did like what they had to uh, say about biblical inspiration. And they said, while there are different views as to, to the extent to which the Bible is inspired, there can be no doubt that the Bible itself claims that every word in every part of the Bible comes from God. This view of the scriptures is often referred to as verbal plenary inspiration. That means the inspiration extends to the very words themselves, verbal, not just concepts or ideas and that the inspiration extends to all parts of Scripture and all subject matters of Scripture, plenary. Some people believe only parts of the Bible are inspired or only the thoughts or concepts that deal with religion are inspired. But these views of inspiration fall short of the Bible's claims about itself. Full verbal plenary inspiration is an essential characteristic of the Word of God. The extent of that inspiration, uh, we can see it clearly in 2 Timothy 3.16, where Paul is telling Tim Timothy that all scripture is God-breathed. That's where we get the word inspired. It's, it, 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 it's inspired. It's God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, uh, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the man of God, the woman of God, may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. And this verse tells us that God inspired all of Scripture and that it is profitable to us. It's not just parts of the Bible, it's all of the Bible. Because it's inspired by God, the Scriptures are therefore authoritative when it comes to establishing doctrine and sufficient for teaching us how to be in a right relationship with God. The Bible claims not only to be inspired by God, but also to have the supernatural ability to change us from the inside out, to make us complete, to make us whole. Another verse that deals with this is right here in 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 21. This verse helps us to understand that even though God used men with their distinctive personalities and writing styles, God divinely inspired the very words they wrote. Jesus himself confirmed the verbal plenary inspiration of scriptures when he said, Do not think that I have come to abolish the law and the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. I tell you the truth, until heaven and earth disappear, not the smallest letter, not the least stroke of a pen will by any means disappear from the law. This is Matthew chapter 5, verses 17 through 18. 
And in these verses, Jesus is reinforcing the accuracy of the scriptures down to the smallest detail and the slightest punctuation mark because it is the very word of God. And yeah. going through that same format and everything else, I was reading where the, the Moody Bible Institute, they, they put uh, this big page out about the inspiration uh, of the Bible. And it says, even though the Bible is God's revelation, it must still be interpreted. Interpretation has to do with our, or I'm sorry, with your, no, with our reception and understanding of that which God revealed and recorded. Revelation is a divine act. Interpretation is a human responsibility. Divine inspiration guarantees the truthfulness of God's word, but not the accuracy of our interpretation. The Bible is infallible in all it affirms to be true and therefore absolutely reliable. We, however, may be fallible. I'm sorry, the Bible is infallible if I said that wrong. But we may be fallible in our interpretation of the Bible. So you have to, I mean, when you study the Bible, when you get into the Bible, you can't uh, we, we say this over and over, be in a group, mm-hmm. be able to ask questions, be, you know, don't just take your own thoughts and say, well, that's exactly what it means. Talk to other people, seek and find, listen, don't just come to hear. Uh, we say this all the time on our podcast. Don't come up to us and, and expect us to tell you everything you need to know and just rely on what we say. I mean, we do our best. We try, but I can't tell you that we're perfect, that every word that comes out is is the correct word. But boy, do we try. Um, You know, that's why I love editing. Hmm. I edit a lot, but I won't be able to (laughs) this time. Um, Um, You know, and going through this, it reminds me back when when I was coaching. Uh, I coached high school football for many years. And there was times where you kind of forget about, you know, you've worked on the basics Hmm. And you've done this a lot. You've done this a lot. So you're working on building up your playbooks and everything else. And, you know, we were pretty successful one year, but we were starting to kind of stumble. We were falling. We were failing. We couldn't figure out what was going on as coaches. We went back and watched the films. And what we noticed was the basics that we had always relied upon is what we were making our mistakes with. So we went back and coached up the basics again, your first step. What does this mean? How to make this read and where to go here and there. We went back to the very basics. And all of a sudden, everything that we started to build upon it became clearer and clearer and we became better and better. And that's exactly what Peter is talking about here. Go back to the basics. Let me remind you of what our faith is based on. Where did we start at? And continue to build. That's how we build on this rock. Along these lines, I've always felt like it's, it's better to do it in community. Now, we're always going to encourage you to be in the word for yourself. Um, I, I love it when I was hearing about one couple that does a Bible study together on the Bible app. Um, I don't know if you've downloaded the Bible app to your phone. I just heard this week, just saw a news article that said that there were 500 million downloads. It just reached 500 million downloads um, from the YouVersion Bible app. Uh, that comes out of Life Church, Edmond, Oklahoma, also a part of the Evangelical Covenant Church, uh, Craig Rochelle's church. 
Um, but uh, there, are, there have been over 500 million downloads of this Bible app. So it's fun when I hear about people who are reading scripture and doing Bible plans together, that kind of thing. But I always feel like it's better and, and maybe even more accurate to be able to do this in community, both in terms of the interpretation of the scriptures as well as our application of those scriptures. So being in community in terms of being in one of our small groups or at the very least partnering with one or two other people uh, where maybe you'll get together every other week or once a month, do something like that where you're holding each other account- accountable to being in the scriptures together. Um, but I remember even Pastor Don was saying in our uh, one of our men's groups that he was talking about one of the translations and how the one translation that he loved reading was from like 60 different Bible translators, uh, young and old, from different uh, schools of thought, different seminaries, different Bible schools, but then also different nationalities from around the world. Because then you start to get a just a, a broader picture and maybe a more accurate interpretation. That's why there are a variety of translations to read from. And I, I do love reading a variety of translations. Um, but the, my also, also my encouragement in this is that anything that is said here or anything that you might hear in a podcast, anything that you might see in a video, always go to the word yourself to make sure that what is being said is accurate. Mm-hmm. Always make sure to do that. I love hearing that. That was true of, of even those original uh, preachers of what Jesus had, had done. The Bereans were, no, were noble because they, they were checking. They were making sure that what was being taught was accurate. They had the scriptures open. They wanted to make sure that it was accurate. So whose words are you following? Yeah, and you know, how many times did we hear Jesus say, haven't you read Hmm. Or haven't you heard? I mean, so it goes with uh, all that all along. And, uh, you know, I will always remind people, I will always remind people that if they want to build their relationship with God, they need to be in the Bible. Right? If they want to understand the teachings of Jesus, they need to get into the Old Testament. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and Johnny, this is why I, I'm so glad. I, it really warms my heart that you took us through the book of Matthew. Uh, back in December, and you took us through the whole series. Uh, it was a chance to get back to the basics. It really was. I feel stronger about my faith uh, now than I did prior to that series. And, and you were, you know, if you're the first time that you've been here or you're just listening to us for the first time on the podcast, you can go back and listen to that series uh, on our podcast site. And it's called Kingdom Come. It was a fantastic series. And, and Johnny, I just really want to thank you for, uh, for taking us through that. So. So just three takeaways for you. Uh, do what you need to do now so people remember your beliefs and values that you held after your promoted glory. Uh, secondly, keep your eyes open for God and share with others what you're seeing. And thirdly, trust God's word is completely reliable for life and read it, study it with others as if your life depends on it. Amen, brother. Hey, thanks for listening to us online and on the podcast. Uh, you know, this is Hope Anchors. Paul wrote in Romans 15:4, For everything that was written in the past was written to teach us so that through the endurance taught in scriptures and the encouragement they provide, we might have hope. That's really what our desire is, not only with the podcast, but also here at Hope Church, is to make sure that you, over, that you um, anchor your hope to Jesus Christ. So don't give up. Keep looking up. And keep, keep hope alive. alive. <laughs> 
Uh, Father, thank you so much for our time together today. And I pray, Father, that you'll help us to do exactly this. Uh, Lord, it's amazing to uh, get a glimpse into Peter's life and, and maybe this truly being at the end of his life and realizing all that he did, even so that 2,000 years later, there would be some people who would still be reading his words, really reading your word, as it relates to our Savior, Jesus Christ. And Father, I pray that if there is anyone here uh, or anyone listening to us later who doesn't have a relationship with you or maybe has stepped away from that relationship with you, I pray that either for the first time or for the first time in a long time, that they would put their faith and trust in you and would begin that journey of taking the next steps of walking closer to you. And I pray that for all of us, Lord, we would do that in community, that we would find partners in faith and that we would uh, not only find a partner, but be a partner so that we can help each other grow and develop in our faith in you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.